Good evening. The first passage to be studied tonight in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. I'll meet you there in just a few moments. So this evening is a follow-up from this morning. So this morning, what does it mean to be lost? And we studied passages this morning from the book of Luke that speak to that in a variety of good ways. To be lost in sin is the greatest tragedy, or maybe I should say the worst tragedy that could be anyone's experience based on wrong choices and not being receptive to God's gracious offer in Christ. And so tonight, let's flip that around and use our Bibles to consider the opposite of being lost, being saved. So our subject is salvation, offered by God, provided by Christ, revealed by the Holy Spirit. This would be for us a refresher course and a good model for us to use in teaching others. Salvation offered by God, provided by Christ, revealed by the Holy Spirit. And after presenting these simple truths, of course, I'll have a question for us. So let's start here. Offered by God. Ephesians 2, beginning at verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So Paul to Christians in Ephesus, and he begins this passage by saying, here's where you were, past tense, dead in trespasses and sins, following the course of this world, under the power of the prince of the power of the air, participants in disobedience, sons of disobedience, and he goes on. Living in the passions of the flesh, 
carrying out the desires of the body, and then he adds, children of wrath. Paul is saying, this is the way you were living before you responded to Christ. And I think the strong implication of this text is, without the mercy of God, his grace, and the death of Christ, you'd still be there. This is where you were without God's mercy and grace. This is where you'd be now if you hadn't responded to Christ. We should never be proud of our previous sins. But should always remember how bad it was to live there apart from God. Compared to how good it is now by the mercy of God. So Paul says to those Christians, here is where your life was. But notice the transition <coughs> at verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. That happened when these people had responded. Here's an accurate way to describe the gospel. God is making an offer. He is making an offer to those dead in sin. And in that offer, God is saying, I'm willing to make you alive again in Christ. So think of it as an offer from God. It is not capturing the dead sinner against that sinner's will and hauling him or dragging her into Christ in some sort of forced, unconditional process. No, God is making an offer through the gospel to raise dead sinners out of their trespasses to life in Christ. Now, what do you do when an offer is made? Well, either you turn your back on the offer or you accept the offer. In this case, when the sinner takes the offer seriously and by faith responds through penitence and baptism, the gracious offer is accepted and life is given to the dead. This is why Paul says, it is not your doing. The sinner raised from the death of sin cannot claim the process was their own doing. Their plan, their bootstraps. God offers the sinner life in Christ. The offer speaks to and is based on the mercy and grace of God and the death of Christ. It is a gift that's offered never forced on anyone. It is accepted by the response that is instructed by the apostles. And then, as that response is engaged in from the heart, the risen sinner is created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that his people should walk in. Salvation is offered by God. Grace Mercy and love is what prompted the offer. God didn't have to do this. 
He was not reluctant or under outside pressure. By grace came this offer to sinners to be saved in Jesus Christ. Now let's move from offered to the provision. And this will take us to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. Salvation is provided by Christ, and this is well described by the Holy Spirit through Peter in 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Sin requires penalty. Sin requires penalty. This is about the justice of God. Sin requires penalty. Now, here's the problem for us. We couldn't pay it. We are spiritually bankrupt, having been engaged in sin. Nobody has a record of good works sufficient to go before God and say, here's my record of good works. Give me salvation. If you try to write a check of merit, it's going to come back insufficient. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 So Christ died to bring us to God. I don't have to die for my sins. He died for my sins. When I place my life under his sacrifice and his authority, my physical death becomes my boulevard into a greater existence than earth ever offered or that men ever conceived. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 4. Paul to the Christians in Corinth, people who knew about the death of Christ, yet Paul wants to remind them and refresh their gratitude with these words. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Now, when's the last time we really focused on that truth? I would hope this morning the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week is a time to remember this truth. But it's not the only time. In a good, consistent way, we need to be mindful of what Jesus went through for us so that we can have spiritual life and hope. The death of Christ was not just another case of martyrdom. It was fulfillment of God's plan from the beginning. Jesus, who had no sin, bore the penalty and became the sacrifice for us so that our guilt can be canceled upon our response to the gospel. 
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son who died for our sins. So God offers to save sinners. Christ died to make that provision. Next, this was revealed by the Holy Spirit. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, there is this statement about the work of the Holy Spirit. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. If God has offered to save sinners, and Christ has died to make that possible, and if there is an instructed response, that's all information we need with the greatest possible clarity. And we have it. The Holy Spirit has provided that. The men who wrote the New Testament were moved by the Spirit so that we know what God offers, we know what Christ did, and we know what response is appropriate and necessary. And we can be grateful about all of that. In Ephesians 3, Paul said to those Christians, when you read, you can understand. When Jesus was giving instruction to the apostles, he told them that the Holy Spirit would guide them into all the truth. And we have it here. The word is called the sword of the Spirit in Ephesians 6 and verse 17. Can you think of any way all of this could have been made plainer to man? God is the perfect communicator and what he offers that Christ died to provide, the Holy Spirit has revealed in the written word complete with instruction about exactly what we must do to receive God's offer provided by Christ and revealed by the Spirit. Now, I said there'd be one more thing. I said there was a question I was leading to with all of this. And here's the question. If we understand this, can we present this to others who need to understand it? If we understand this, can we present this truth to others who need to understand it. It is not at all a complicated question for me or for you to seriously and prayerfully consider. If we understand that God is making an offer through the word that Christ has provided for sinners to be saved and the Holy Spirit has revealed what to do to be saved, can we present this simple truth to people? And here's what I'm going to say. If we can, we must. If we can, we must. We need to bring this truth up with people who are not Christians. I know that is hard. It is a challenge, maybe more for some of us than others, but this is what we need to be doing. If, as we learned this morning, people are lost 
and their lives are leading to a tragic, eternal, dark destiny, can we bring this up? If we understand that God is making an offer through the word that Christ has provided for sinners to be saved, that the Holy Spirit has revealed what to do to be saved, can we take this simple truth and share this with others who need it so urgently? Here at Laurel Heights right now, Getting more of our own people who've been here before to attend more faithfully is good and right. If faithful Christians move in and become participating members here, that's great. We always welcome faithful people. But our future is found in evangelism. Effort energy, commitment to get the message out of this building into the community and into the lives of people. And person to person is where all that begins. If we understand that God is making an offer and that Christ has provided for sinners to be saved, and the Holy Spirit has revealed what to do to be saved, this is something not just to pray about, but something to do. There are people all around us who are lost, and we have duty. God has mercy, Christ died to save sinners, and the Holy Spirit has revealed all that we need to know and deliver to others. This is our task. May we be about that task this week and going forward saved people not only staying saved but leading others to embrace the salvation that God offers in Christ revealed by the Spirit let's think about it and let's pray about it and let's take the simple plan of God that we engaged in and let's commit that plan to sharing with others let's be standing while we sing would you be